Before we jump into today's episode, we want to talk to you about Internet Church. Rich, what is Internet Church? Oh, it's only the best internet gathering this side of the Kailua River. Is the Kailua River a thing? Maybe we should start over. <laughs> let's let's do it again. Ask me again. <laughs> no, let's leave it in. Now no, no, let's talk about Internet Church. Uh, internet Church. Actually, it's a thing we do every other Friday night where we all gather together, uh, encourage the saints in truth. It's uplifting. It's edifying. It's just a time to gather for about an hour on a Friday night or day, depending what part of the world you're in, just to be encouraged by the saints. You you think you would like something like that? Is the Pope Catholic? Uh, you bet your sweet bippy the Pope is Catholic. And uh, Justin, Internet Church is all about gospel freedom. It's good. I'm trying to think of the follow-up question. <laughs> oh, I'm like, man, this thing is lagging. Uh, all right. If No. Absolutely love it. So if you were going to... No. What are we going for? Are we trying to be funny or are we trying to be serious? I don't know. I I mean, whatever. I, we're trying to let people know that... Oh, <laughs> I'm not as gifted as you are in this department, my friend. So join us every other Friday night, 8 o'clock Central, 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern. If you are international and want to add that to your calendar so you don't have to do all the time conversions, head on over to lovereality.org slash circles and add the Internet Church Circle to your calendar. Welcome back to The Move, where we are vibing with the book 10 minutes at a time. Next 10 minutes, we're looking at Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. If there was a, a chapter in Hebrews that I read a lot, because I, I confess that earlier, I didn't really read a lot of Hebrews before yeah. this moment. Uh, Hebrews 11. It was the one about uh, the the whole hall of faith, if you will. Mm -hmm. And Hebrews 4. And why did you read <laughs> Hebrews 4? You know exactly Justin, why I was reading Hebrews 4. Tell the people why you read through Hebrews 4. So it's no surprise to anyone who's been following my ministry or our ministry that we are generally a community of people who have been raised in a particular denomination. Not yeah, everyone. Not and we everyone. love everyone who's not a, who wasn't raised in that tradition. Yeah. But we just don't want to hide the fact, and we're not ashamed of the fact, we were just raised in a tradition, mm -hmm. Seventh-day Adventists, which mm -hmm. means our community was really excited about a particular thing. Uh -huh. And unfortunately, it hasn't always been Jesus. Well, let me say this. The denomination, I want to say as a whole, sure, loves Jesus, all the things, good, not, not actually denigrating that. But we're also very, very, very excited, maybe about. to the exclusion of other things. The Sabbath. the Sabbath. And full disclosure, <laughs> I am presently a Seventh-day Adventist pastor. Yeah. And that is an honor yeah. for me to be. Absolutely. So, no hiding it. Yeah. Hebrews 4 is the place where we often have been driven to in our discourse about Sabbath because, hey, therefore remains a Sabbath rest. And we use this chapter to look at through it through one particular lens, the debate about is Sabbath still a thing or mm -hmm. is it not? And ha ha. We're right because there still remains a Sabbath rest. Yeah. What a disservice to <laughs> the text. Because imagine this. Paul, uh, the author of Hebrews, or the author of Hebrews, the pastor of uh, Hebrews, Paul, 
Mm-hmm. It's like Jesus, Jesus, mm-hmm. Jesus, 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 Sabbath. Hundred <laughs> percent. It doesn't follow the logic. No. Uh-uh. And so I don't know. Uh, where how do we enter to this discussion? Because Sabbath is a theme, and this is the lens through which we're mm-hmm. meant to understand Jesus and the impact of what Jesus gives us and has, has given us, and we can receive. Mm-hmm. And he does use the language of Sabbath, and say with that he uses the language of Moses and the tabernacle and all the other things in the previous chapters. Yeah. Well, it's simply this. I, I think it's a lot simpler than. Uh, we allow ourselves to make it because we live under the heritage of the Protestant Reformation, right? Sure. And particularly, well, let me not get too far down that track, but it's just simply this, that the reality of the things that the the beautiful imagery that's found in the institutions given to uh, first, the Israelite nation, the Hebrews, mm-hmm. the reality of the institution is always in Jesus. Hmm. Right? So every feast, every holy day, every sacrifice, all of it points to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then on top of this, let me say, even the things that the nation was told to remember, but that was not given solely to them, hint, hint Hmm. finds its end in Jesus because one common mistake we make when it comes to Sabbath is that it was given to the Jews and to Hebrews. That's not the case. It's actually first testified in the book of Genesis as something that is enveloping the whole of creation because God has finished his rest. Now, some might argue, well, yeah, this is only to substantiate politically that the Sabbath that was given to the Jews somehow has some sort of global impetus, but that's only the propaganda of those who wrote the book of Genesis. Okay, fine. I don't go there biblically. I have, because that's a whole nother issue about how I relate to scripture and what I think about um, the applicability of Genesis and to whom, right? But the commandment is clearly remember the Sabbath day. The Sabbath is just not first given to the nation. It's remember. And why remember? If you see the two instances where the Sabbath is given in Hebrews 20, I'm sorry, Hebrews, Exodus. (laughs) Exodus 20. Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5, right? The first reason that he gives is because in six days, I made the heavens and the earth. And in Deuteronomy 5, it's because... I delivered you from the bondage Bondage. of Egypt. So not only did I create you, but I also liberated you. So that the Sabbath day stands as a testament to the creative power of God and the liberating power of God. However, the only way you actually enter true Sabbath rest, and this is the argument here, is that you enter by way of Jesus, Jesus, not merely the day. Yeah. Because there are ways in which you can say that you're keeping the Sabbath, and not actually be in agreement with the spirit of the Sabbath because your rest is not in Jesus. Mm-hmm. I can think of a particular nation right <laughs> now that is very ardent in keeping the Sabbath, but they do it apart from the revelation of Jesus. Yeah. yeah. So are they really keeping the in Sabbath. line with the Sabbath? Right. Right. This is part of the conundrum. Yeah. I, I think that when I understood that the Sabbath, because 
the common experience, at least it was expressed to me by one of my students a number of years ago, that Sabbath for her was the day she was grounded. Mm-hmm. That sentiment generally rings true, I've found, for a lot of my my peers and people who were kind of raised in the same kind of culture that I was raised, in that Sabbath, was it felt more like bondage than freedom. And yeah. then when I entered into, there were, I guess there were m- multiple stages in which Sabbath became more and more valuable. Yeah. When I became part of the working force, I was like, oh man, yeah, I need the Sabbath now because yeah. I just need a nap. Yeah. And it was a utility as far as just the 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 rhythms of living in a body of flesh in the sense that like, yeah, you work hard, you need to rest every once in a while. So there's a utility for Sabbath there, sure. Like, and that may be just one of the health benefits of this practice. But then when I received gospel and I really understood what it meant to stop striving for, mm-hmm. seeking God's approval, becoming a person of value and, and all the things, right? Mm-hmm. The things that we talk about all the time. Sabbath like exploded in meaning. Mm-hmm. And then when I connected that to the Deuteronomy 5, mm-hmm. that the reason why we we practice mm-hmm. Sabbath is to remember that which God has done in delivering his people from the bondage that we were living in, then it started to hit just a little bit more differently. Yeah, so I would say it like this, and I alluded earlier that it's very simple for me. This is how I think it's simple. There has never been one seven-day cycle where the Sabbath hasn't come. Hmm. There hasn't been one seven-day cycle that the Sabbath hasn't come, that it hasn't been Sabbath. Hmm. So that whether or not you relate to the Sabbath um, is has no bearing on whether or not it has actually come. This is very similar to what the argument has been in the previous chapters, that Jesus did a thing. Mm-hmm. And you get the privilege of relating to that thing mm-hmm. or not, but you drifting away from mm-hmm. the thing mm-hmm. doesn't actually change the it thing. It doesn't change the thing. So this, you know, when people are like, well, the Sabbath is done away with. No, it's not. <laughs> it's still there. <laughs> yeah, it's still there. You can esteem it or you can not esteem it. Mm. Whether you esteem it, do I think that is where your salvation hinges? No. Scripture clearly is like, no. Yeah. If you esteem it, cool. If you don't, okay, like, cool. Right? That's not the hinge of your salvation. But in the same way that the truth of Jesus is just there and it's not actuated whether you believe in it or not, so is the actual coming of the Sabbath, right? Mm-hmm. In the sense that the Sabbath has come every seven days yeah. from time immemorial, according to scripture, yeah. and it's never changed. I, I remember going to a, a synagogue when I was a, my freshman year in college. I actually did do a year of pre-seminary religious studies before I went off and did my other things that I've done. Um, and I took a world religion class, got to attend a Sabbath service at a synagogue, which starts Friday night. This is not news to you, but in case anyone's never really looked into the idea of Plot the practice. Yeah. So on Friday night to Saturday night, there was this moment in the service where everyone stood up and we were instructed, like we, our, our world religion teacher gave us the heads up, like when this happens, everyone stands up and you're to turn mm-hmm. to the entrance of the synagogue. Mm-hmm. And he said, don't worry if you don't see anything happening. What is happening is spiritual. What's mm-hmm. happening is in the mind's eye mm-hmm. that they are literally welcoming the Sabbath, welcoming the Sabbath into the building. The queen of time. Is that what it is called? Abraham Heschel calls it that in his little famous book on the Sabbath. I That's think. beautiful. The, the queen of time. I like that. Mm-hmm. So the Sabbath has showed up, whether we've been aware of it or not, in the same way mm-hmm. that Jesus has been with us, mm-hmm. whether we've re- re- realized it or not. And the awareness of Sabbath points to, finds its goal and its end in Jesus. Mm. So then this idea of then, well, the Sabbath is replaced in Jesus. 
No, the Sabbath is fulfilled in Jesus. Mm. In the same way that just because you were taught of a Jesus that was harmful and looking at you to visit you with judgments, or maybe you were given early on a vision of God this way, where yeah. a lot of people are like, well, you know, Jesus loved me, but God the Father, right? <laughs> not so much. Yeah, not so much. <laughs> right? That's why Jesus has to cover me, because if not, God's like, ah! Right? When you actually get the revelation of the Father's love through a correct picture of Jesus, do you somehow replace God? Mm. No. No, there's only one God. Yeah. It's, he's just coming to clear focus, and now you can give up the lies that you held about him and see him for tr- who he truly is in a similar fashion. Like, just because you were browbeat with the Sabbath or you have this antinomian sort of deal where like, oh, no, nah, the Sabbath is done away. No, it's still there. How you relate to it says more about your understanding of the Sabbath than the thing itself. Hmm. It showed up every seven days. How you relate to it, that's between you and God. But it's not as though that because of Jesus, this thing has now been kicked out. No, it finds its end and goal in Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's why there's still a Sabbath-type rest for the people of God, yeah. right? Because the certainly the point is that in the way that you rested on this day, in the way that you did not come out of your tent to get manna, in the way that on this day you weren't required to go out and work, that on this day you were able to rest with your family, Eat some of the manna and enjoy. Catch up with one another. Talk to your neighbor. Get into a deep theological discussion. Maybe go visit that person you haven't visited in a while and just look and stare at their face and just, hey, man, how you been? Yeah. And to actually do that. That is a gift of God that has come every seven days. Whether or not you participate in it is up to you. But the very fact that it's there is telling us something about the goal of Jesus, what he's actually brought into the world. And what has he brought? He has brought a completed work Mm -hmm. that wants us to rest in it, to enjoy one another's faces, because in them we see the face of God, to actually receive the food that he has provided in thankfulness, not connected to work, Mm -hmm. because blessed are you, king of the universe, for from you comes the fruit of the vine, right? Like you are the good gift giver. And on this day, we sit in the giving of your gift and we just rest in it. And what better gift than the very person of Jesus who has infiltrated all of humanity and reconstituted it, even the calendar, in such a way that this day is holy because it's all about the rest we have in Jesus. You know, one of my favorite things to do is to give good gifts. Uh, I remember one time, and this is going to be kind of self-congratulatory, but to make the point, I remember uh, getting you uh, some hot tea back in Portland and you said something that has stuck with me and it it rang true because this has been true of my heart for 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 ever since I can remember it's like dude you give the best gifts there's just something about giving a good gift and when someone receives it in gratefulness it's just it's it warms my heart to Mm -hmm. know that I can I can provide that Mm -hmm. for me oftentimes that looks like being able to take photos for people at Mm -hmm. their weddings or something Mm -hmm. along those lines where it's just like hey I want to capture this moment for you. Mm-hmm. And when I think about the best gifts that could possibly be given, mm-hmm. seldom are they actually material. Mm-hmm. The best gift that you can give someone is the gift of time. Because mm-hmm. when you think about when you get to the end of your life, what's the thing that you may have regrets about? Or what, at least what's the thing that you're going to treasure the most? Maybe we don't have to constrain it through, through the lens of regret. Mm-hmm. Time. Mm-hmm. Time spent with people is the best thing that mm-hmm. makes life life. Mm-hmm. And how beautiful is it that God gives us the gift of um, time? Yeah. 
Yeah, and so in light of this, when you read Hebrews 4, there is the promise of entering his rest because we hold fast to this confession. And it's good news that has come to us, right? Look at verse 2. For the good news that came to us, just as to them, but the message they heard, they did not benefit because they were not united by faith with those who listened. So the good news comes, and they're not united by faith. I think the Sabbath comes every seven days. You can unite with it or not. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you're faithless if you're of the sort that's like, oh, well, you know, I'm free from it. Like, you know, God be praised between you and God. Like, live your life at peace, right? But our there's a place here where verse uh, three, for we have we who have believed enter that rest as he who said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And this idea of wrath, right? Mm. God literally in his wrath departs, right? We see this in scripture over and over again, right? Where he departs, where he's not present, hmm. right? This is Romans chapter one. He gives them over to their debased minds. This is um, when he departs the temple in the time of Eli, right? Like there's a departing. Is that Ichabod? Ichabod, the name Ichabod, uh, the, you know, the glory has departed. Yes. I, think, right? is that Ichabod? I believe so. That sounds, that rings a bell. Right? So that, here is the beginning of wrath that God actually gives us over to, to things, right? In the same way that he gave the nation of Israel over to the Romans, he removed the protective hedge. In the same way he removed the protective hedge, the snakes came, right? Mm-hmm. This is the theme that's over and over again, right? And so he says, I depart. And in departing, they can't actually enter the mm-hmm. thing because they haven't been united, right? Mm-hmm. And you and I, in our history, we have seen ways in which... God has departed, it seems as though he's hidden, and maybe we actively hide him mm-hmm. from our resting in him on a particular day, hmm. right? Yeah. You've had that experience where then the day becomes more important than the person the, the person that it points to. And this is the sort of tension that sometimes is there, that then because we believe in the beauty of this day, that we make it compulsory in ways that you are not united with faith, Hmm. right? Yeah. And I believe that the author of Hebrews is trying to subvert their expectations of maybe that heart. Hmm. Like, you have to understand what this thing pointed to the whole time. Yeah. It's about Jesus. So it finds its fulfillment in Jesus. You have to be in agreement with Jesus. This is Mark chapter three, verses one through six. Jesus comes into the synagogue. Tell me what is it appropriate to do on the Sabbath? Hmm. To save a life? Kill a life. Hmm. They don't respond. And he's angry at the hardness of their hearts. Hmm. Same imagery that we see here in Hebrews. Because they are more interested in the rights and the wrongs and the rituals surrounding Sabbath rather than what Sabbath is actually about. Mm-hmm. And in that passage, Mark 3, verses 1 through 6, you have an, a man in the synagogue, very interestingly, that use, the word for man is not merely andros which is the common use in Greek, but it's actually anthropos, meaning that there is a human, right? There's a human here, kind of encapsulating. There is a representative humanity. What's the the role of Sabbath in light of humanity? Hmm. He has a shriveled hand, right? Maybe the right hand, the hand of power, the hand that actually does work, labor for the Lord. Like, Mm -hmm. what is the point of Sabbath? It is to give vitality back to the human because in resting in God is where our vitality comes from, right? And so God is hardened at this people who have the Sabbath but haven't united the truth about the Sabbath 
with the person who's literally standing right there on yeah. the Sabbath day in the synagogue. Yeah. He's like, I am the truth of this thing as I relate to humanity yeah. and humanity relates to me as they rest in the truthfulness of my word. One of the uh, under uh, uh, underemphasized elements of Sabbath that I've started to hear more chatter about in the online space is about how Sabbath is actually in many ways meant for others as well and not just for us to hold and to treasure as a gift from god though it is mm -hmm. but thinking specifically about uh, isaiah 58 where sabbath is meant to be one of those things where we have received rest we have received this wholeness but there's a whole host of people who are still in bondage who are still enslaved from whatever like in in the context of isaiah like very real tangible mm -hmm. earthly things mm -hmm. injustices and, the, and part of the privilege of Sabbath rest is to go and bring that to others. Part yeah. of the privilege of being freed from Egypt is to then go to other uh, enslaved sons and daughters and to point to the truth mm -hmm. and allow them to enter into rest. Mm -hmm. And Yeah, and again, I want to be very, very clear. I want to be very clear. Look at these cameras. Be very clear. There is not one seven-day cycle, right? There's not one seven-day cycle, according to the text from time immemorial, where the Sabbath hasn't shown up. Whether humanity is attuned to it or not is a whole nother matter. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know how you calculate your Sabbath. You might be the sort of person that calculates it as we do from Sabbath to Sabbath in agreement with what we see as Saturday. That's where we're at. There are others who do because of a lunar reckoning, their Sabbath moves and the seven day cycle. And like, I'm not getting into that. What I am laying down as like, like the line in the sand, there is no seven day cycle in scripture where the Sabbath hasn't come. Hmm. How you relate to it, that's on you. But don't say the Sabbath is done away with. Yeah. Never has been. What it now is, it's revealed in its true beauty because of the person of Jesus. Now, if you think in the true beauty in the person of Jesus, that that then means that you can relate to the Sabbath in a way that it doesn't require any distinction from any other day in the week, that's on you and the Lord. But don't come with the lie that somehow, because Jesus is so much better and he's like filled us with his light so that the formal light of the Sabbath apart from him pales in comparison, that that then means that it's done away with. Hmm. Like, no, no, no. No, no, no. <laughs> right? We don't relate to righteousness via the law. We relate to righteousness via Jesus. But I promise you that the life that Jesus gives us agrees with what the law wanted for mm. us. Do it that way you will. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Yeah. The author of Hebrews is arguing that this day testified unto. Mm. And this day continues to testify unto that rest. Whether you relate to it like an Israelite, whether you relate to it like an Adventist, or whether you relate to it like a non-Adventist. Much like Sabbath, or much like Jesus, the Sabbath still is. Yeah. And so you can join it in and with Jesus in your heart and in your spirit. Or you can reject what God is offering in Jesus. And the point of the book of Hebrews is strive to, to enter, enter. <laughs> that sort of rest yeah. in Jesus, hmm. in Jesus. We believe that that sort of rest 
is actually symbolized on this beautiful day. And so we partake in it, mm-hmm. right? Much in the same way that we believe that baptism points to something, points to something. So we partake in it much in the same way that we believe that the breaking of bread, breaking of bread and the drinking of wine points to something, points to something. So we partake, partake in it much in the same way that I believe that the image of God is within you. So I don't treat you in truth and in reality, contrary to what God has told me to do. So there's a real embodied experience for me. Mm. And that body, that embodied experience for the nation of Israel is offered, is offered. And it's symbolized on a day. Yeah. Do with that what you will. Right. 